Hi, this is Larry Wilcox. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 221 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming away as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have a great guest coming your way. We are going to take a trip down the California highway on a motorcycle with the guys from Chips. We have Officer John Baker, Larry Wilcox, joining us, okay? Now, Larry, of course, was in the 70s and 80s in the TV show Chips, and uh, he was just just such a great actor, and he's going to be talking about uh, Chips and uh, all the different shows he was in and and his career and everything else. So stick around for that. It's going to be really interesting and a lot of fun. So, And he's got some uh, news about a Chips reunion, so... Keep listening right here on On Screen and Beyond in a few minutes. And let's see what else in the news here. Oh, this past week, uh, unfortunately and sadly, we had a passing of a great TV legend. We had TV veteran Andy Griffith. He passed away, and of course he was on the Andy Griffith Show and Matlock and just so many other movies and things that he was in. Uh, so our thoughts are with his family. And let's see, we had a huge response to last week's show. We had a guest, Donna Lauren, who was here. She was, of course, from the 60s Beach Party movies. A lot of fun watching those. And she was the Dr. Pepper girl, and she was in Shindig. So uh, if you want to check that one out, go to onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, she was episode 220. So like I said, we had a great big response for her and a lot of people downloading it. So we hope that uh, you're telling friends about it. Uh, Tell them about all of the episodes of On Screen and Beyond. And check our reruns because you can find all 221 episodes right there. And let's see, be sure to support On Screen and Beyond by clicking on our sponsors' ads on onscreenandbeyond.com. If you're going to purchase something from them anyways, just go to our site, click on their ad, and then go purchase what you're going to purchase. And we'll get a little something from it. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just we get the credit for it. And uh, it helps keep us going and uh, bring you more and more uh, different things here at On Screen and Beyond. Great guests and everything else. So we appreciate if you do that. And what do you say? Why don't we get into Remake Madness next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness? Well, a remake of the 80s About Last Night is in the works. The original starred Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. We uh, don't have any word yet who is going to be the stars of the remake. But uh, there is also a story of William Tell that will be coming our way in 2013, a big screen version called The Legend of William Tell. And Zorro may be coming back to the big screen in Zorro Reborn in 2014 from 20th Century Fox. That's it for Remake Madness coming up next. What's coming away as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies, Dylan McDermott will play a Secret Service agent in Olympus Has Fallen. It is described as Die Hard in the White House. 
And you can look for Luke Wilson to head the cast of Elvis and Nixon. It's a comedy about the White House meeting of Elvis Presley and President Nixon. And the story of Noah and his Ark, starring Emma Watson and Russell Crowe, is in pre-production. And looking for a 2014 release, its title is Noah. That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. Taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, Channing Tatum says a sequel to 21 Jump Street is in the works with him and Jonah Hill. And keeping the coal smoldering, Dan Aykroyd now says new writers are working on Ghostbusters 3. And a sequel to Think Like a Man has been put into motion by Screen Gems. That's it for Sequel City coming up next on On Screen Beyond. What's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? You'll find out next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD, well, Van Dyke and Company, the complete series starring Dick Van Dyke in his 1976 show comes to DVD on September 25th. On September 4th, you can get Haven, the complete second season on DVD and Blu-ray, and Shazam, the 1974 TV show, will soon be available on DVD. And, of course, we had an interview with Jackson Boswick, who was uh, Captain Marvel from that show. Be sure to check it out at On Screen and Beyond and hear his interview as he talks about the TV show Shazam. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we take a peek at what's coming away as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, October 2nd, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray of The Princess Bride will be coming your way. And on September 25th, The Cabin in the Woods from Josh Whedon comes to you on Blu-ray and DVD. And August 7th, you can look for William and Catherine, A Royal Romance, on DVD. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On. So excited about this. Larry Wilcox, who played Officer John Baker on Chips back in the 70s and 80s, is going to be joining us, and he's going to be talking all about Chips, uh, Chips Reunion, and all sorts of stuff about his career and all the things he did and he's doing now. And it's all coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actor who in the late 70s and 80s had everyone watching his hit show, Chips. He played the role of Officer John Baker. It's Larry Wilcox. Larry, thank you for joining us here on On Screen and Beyond. You're welcome. Good to be here. You know, back then, when that show was on, like I was saying, everybody was watching that show. It was such a big hit. Did you have trouble going out in public back then? (laughs) 
Yeah, I was uh, I was telling somebody the other day. There's uh, a lot to be said about anonymity, um, but uh, in the day, you know, it was real popular, and of course, television was a big deal then. So uh, everywhere you went, um, you know, you'd see people either overtly recognizing you and coming right up and asking for an autograph, or pointing or staring and trying to act like they hadn't really seen you. You know. Mm-hmm. But um, as time's gone on, it's kind of uh, died down, as you can imagine, and uh, I enjoy every minute of it. Did you ever go up to anybody, like you said, that they were looking at you and just sort of wondering if it was you or something? Did you ever go up to anybody and say hi to them and then you shock them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I do sometimes in today's world where I'll see people confused and staring at me like they know me, but they don't know where, right? (laughs) And so... uh, Usually I'll go to them and they'll say, don't I know you? And I'll say, I think you do. And they said, well, where from? I says, well, I used to deliver your newspaper when I was a boy. (laughs) You did? And then they're really confused, you know. (laughs) Finally, I'll tell them it was chips and then they're they're okay. But uh, other than that, no, not too often. Now, it is going to be the, what, 35th anniversary of the show? Yep. And I understand you're having a big reunion coming up in September? We're having a Chips reunion with all the cast members uh, September 15th, or all the cast members are invited. Uh, I assume they'll all come, but who knows, because it's supporting uh, the 1199 Fund, which is policemen that have been injured or killed in the line of duty. Oh, that's good. So it's for a good cause, and, you know, all the characters have played different roles, from Grossi to Sergeant Gutierrez and so on will all be there. And um, and then, you know, it'll be more like a family I mean, people can buy tickets if they go to chipsreunion.com and come and visit us. It's at the Hilton Hotel near LAX Airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh should be fun. You know, good to, I haven't seen any of these cast members in a really, really long time, So, other than Robert Pine, but most of them I haven't seen. Really? You, you, so you've seen Robert Pine throughout the years? Yes, we always do charities together, you know, March of Dimes and things like that, and so... Uh, we enjoy our our uh, nonprofit organizations that we work together yeah. on. That's good. You know, those are good causes, that's for sure. Yeah. I know we can go into a lot of different chips things, and you know a lot of people have heard those things, but I'd also like to talk about you as an actor. So we'll start there. We'll get into chips, but we'll start there. When you were young and just a little lad running around, <laughs> did you want to be an actor, or what? how did that come about? No, I, you know, I think, um, I grew up in Wyoming and, you know, boys that grow up in Wyoming don't want to be actors, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, in my case, I wanted to be a coach, you know, and, uh, I love sports and always wanted to coach them. And, and then, uh, luckily I didn't become a coach because that's like an actor here, the flavor of the month, you know, which kind of coach but, were you, um, what sport? Oh, basketball and football. I like those two sports uh, real well. Yeah. And still do. I coach my boys in basketball and, you know, work real hard on fundamentals and drills so they can then move on to the next level. But but then uh, when I left Wyoming, I came to California and lived with a, a friend of mine that was out here. And uh, I started uh, taking acting classes because I had a cousin that was, uh, she was a real pretty girl, Marsha Wagner, and she became an actress. And did a lot of commercials and guest stars and so on, and I thought, wow, that's really neat. I didn't really think much about it other than it was neat. But when I, in high school, I did a lot of plays, and uh, 
for an athlete to do plays was also kind of a weird mix. So I, I did Brigadoon and Damn Yankees and all those old plays, mm-hmm. musicals and plays. And um, so when I came to California, I, I took lessons, and then I was kind of a natural. So this lady, old lady, was my acting coach, and she said, you know, you could really go far in this business. Would you like to get an agent? I naively said, yes, of course. I don't know how to do that, but I'm interested. in." So I, I went to all the acting classes because most of the pretty girls were in the acting classes. And <laughs> That's a popular theme with actors. I, I keep hearing this. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, she got me an agent, and next thing I knew, I was starring in a television series called uh, Lassie. Ah, yeah. And uh, I made a whopping $450 a week, and and uh, Lassie was a star, and I was the co-star. <laughs> and uh, But I had a good time, and I learned a lot and studied directing and camera angles and lighting and all that stuff while while I was doing it. So at least it was a educational trek, if you will, and, and uh, met some really good people. Mm-hmm. So Lassie was your first actual show yes. that you were on? Yes. I think I had done a few commercials before that. I did... Uh, I don't know, Alka-Seltzer and something for the United States Army and, I don't know, a couple commercials. And they used to have this thing called Taft-Hartley, and that meant that you couldn't join the Screen Actors Guild Union unless you'd done work, and you couldn't get work unless you were in the union. So it was kind of a catch-22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would allow you to do one or two commercials without being in the union, and then you could use those credits to join the union. So I think I had done two commercials before I had done Lassie. Uh-huh. Now with Lassie, I know they've done several versions over the years. Was Timmy still in the show at that time? No, Timmy was gone, and uh, this was in 1970. And then there were two young boys we played, about 15, 16-year-old boys. Uh, I forgot the other gentleman's name, the other actor. And um, we lived on an orphan ranch, and we would go out and with Lassie and rescue the animals and get caught in the rivers and the rapids and uh, you know in those days i didn't know any better so they they really used this hick from wyoming named larry wilcox so they said well larry would you mind jumping off that cliff into the river here and then we have the scuba divers down there waiting with a rope across the river so you can't go past it so no problem and okay so i did that and of course got rushed down the river right by the scuba divers you know and, ended up in some willow patch pulling myself in <laughs> and then they had me like you know those little uh, railroad cars that you had to pump up and down mm-hmm. yeah well I, they had me on one of those and they said we'll we'll have the engine give you a little a boost in the beginning so you can pick up some speed and and you come down this hill pumping that thing and then you jump off that right here and in this soft dirt here, right? So I'd do that, and I ended up doing all my own stunts in Lassie just because of ignorance. I didn't <laughs> know that there's such a thing as a stunt man, you know. Hmm. And uh, but I had fun. It was a really good time, and we'd fly up to Northern California, Lake Tahoe, in a Learjet, and for a kid from Wyoming, that was fun. And mm-hmm. and I was housebroken, and Lassie wasn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you ever get hurt when you were doing those stunts? No, 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 nothing was hurt, and okay. little good. bruises here and there, but that was about it. Yeah. The, no, no problem. The glamour of Hollywood, huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. For that whopping four hundred and fifty dollars a month per week. Yeah, jeez. 
from then on, you appeared in different TV shows like uh, The Partridge Family and things like that when you were growing up to your chips years, right? Yes, I did all the... Uh, you know, usually a young actor has two choices, commercials, television commercials, and then a guest star or a guest role uh, on an episode of a television series. So I did everything from Man in the City with Anthony Quinn to working with James Colburn to Charlton Heston to... You know, all these different actors that were obviously a lot more famous than I was. And, uh, you know, each place I was thinking that I was honing my craft and becoming a artiste and coming up with some character. Or I'd write these big Bibles about the history of the character and, uh, you know, all the stuff that you'd learn in acting school. And mm-hmm. It was okay. I mean, it was indulgent and fun, and you thought you were doing a Rembrandt, but you were simply doing Room 222 or Love Boat or something thereof, you know. (laughs) Now, I noticed that back in the 70s, the early 70s, you appeared several times on Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, was that a, uh, I can't remember, were those just like, uh, sort of like the movie of the week type things? Is that how that was? Yes, they, you know, uh, Disney was, uh, I almost... I think I had just passed the period of time where studios would hire you as a contract player and then they they would make you a star. And, and everyone was telling me that, you know, Disney really wanted me to become one of their stars. But So wh- whether you do or don't isn't the issue, but you usually start by doing some of their movies of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed those. I forgot I did Fire on Kelly Mountain and we did a kind of a forest fire show up in... Uh, in the uh, Placerville area near Lake Tahoe, and and uh, I had, they needed someone who could ride horses really well and then act like he couldn't ride, which is fun. So and you could. And they had bear, bears chasing me and and all of that. So that was fun. And then I did a I did a really fun western. Uh, originally, it was called Open Winter, but I know I think they changed the name, and that was with myself and only two actors. Uh, starred in it, a young cowboy who was the role I played and then an older cowboy from an actor named Jim Davis who was one of the guys on Dallas mm-hmm. yeah. originally, yeah. he eventually died of a brain tumor but he was a great guy and we had a great time making that movie and I met a good director uh, during those times named Andrew McLaughlin, his father was Victor McLaughlin who was both were in the film business for many years and then Andy used me in you know, The Dirty Dozen and and The Last Hard Men and all kinds of different movies thereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, every movie he did, he had almost asked me to do one of the roles. So that was had a, a great show of respect from him, and uh, I sure enjoyed it. Yeah. Now, you mentioned about uh, riding a horse. Being from Wyoming, did you already know how to ride a horse, or did you tell them, sure, I can do that? <laughs> No, I, I knew because, you know, my family had cattle ranches on both sides, okay. my mothers and fathers. Yeah. So we I rode horses, and then uh, yeah, I team rope and calf rope and rodeoed. And um, so, you know, horse kind of was second nature, and I still really enjoy horses. I did cutting horses and, and competed all over the United States on cutting horses, and then my wife rode jump, hunter jumpers and, and jumpers. So uh-huh. we were a horse family, if you will. Yeah. Because I had, do uh, you remember James Drury, the Virginia? Yes, yeah, yeah. I loved he, him. he was on the show, and he was saying when he started out that you know uh, you never tell 
any director, or pub, uh, producer, or whatever, uh, that you can't do anything. And he said, even if you couldn't ride a horse, you'd tell them you ride a horse. You can ride a horse. Yeah. Right. Well, because of that, I had many directors say, okay, we want you to do the role, but we want you to show up at this ranch on Wednesday, and we're going to do a little riding scene and make sure that you can ride, you know. Because uh-huh. most actors, especially in television commercials, lie about it, and then when they're trying to film it, it's just awful, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and people can tell. <laughs> yeah, you know that's when they put you on the the fake horse with the screen in the back and and have the horse rocking back and forth. That's right. Now, Special effects. Yeah. Now, when Chips came along, how did you get the part? Was it an audition, or did, were they looking for you and knew of you, or how did that work? Yeah, they they asked me to do it. I didn't have to audition. Uh, but the producer was Rick Rosner, and he had seen me in uh, a movie with Farrah Fawcett called uh, The Great American Beauty Contest, uh, where I play this kind of uh, hick cowboy that's in love with Farrah, which wasn't hard to be. <laughs> and uh, then he saw me in a Y50, and I had done a pilot with Andy, uh, with um, Dandy Don Meredith and for Arrow Bureau about helicopter pilots uh, in the sheriff's department. And anyway, they, those projects didn't sell, even though they became films, and I did all of them. Uh, he asked me to do chips, and by then my career was starting to gain momentum, and I was, you know, doing better roles and in guest starring on things, and you start thinking that you, you have some momentum. So I said I did not want to do chips. Wow. But um, I, I thought that the television business was saturated with um, – police shows and they didn't need another one and it just shows what actors they don't know what they're talking about you know I, I, it was you, you indulgently speak an opinion it's like opinions everyone has one right so and a young actor is kind of like young money you know he shouldn't be doing making those decisions and so luckily they offered me more and more money and uh, eventually the price was right as they say you know mm-hmm. when you were on the show did you do the actual riding of the motorcycles and and some of the i mean not all the dangerous stunts but some of the things that went on mm-hmm. we uh did a lot of it not all of it but did a lot of it we um th- there was kind of an interesting uh, uh evolution of us riding the motorcycle first of all you know, I rode motorcycles most of my life, but they were always dirt bikes and a few street bikes, but mostly dirt bikes. And so when they said, can you ride a bike? Yeah, no problem. And I could. Uh, but riding a police motorcycle is really difficult. It's big, fat, and hard to balance, and it's heavy and has all that gear in the way and mm-hmm. talking on the microphone in a high-speed chase. And it's just, you know, it's not it's not conducive for safety, if you will, or it didn't used to be. They changed it. And so we California Highway Patrol Motorcycle Riding School, and Eric and I, and we had to lay down the bikes and, you know, do high-speed braking where the rear end wheel comes around where you can see it, you know, up by your, your handlebars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then you have to lay down the bike at, at this regular, normal speed so you realize that those um, bumper bars on the side will save you and it's not a big issue. and. So, uh, you know, braking with the front brake is a no-no, and when to use it for an emergency, but delicately. Right, yeah. So we did all that, and uh, it was very helpful. And by the time you're done with that, you can, you know, turn a figure eight with a motorcycle in a 10-foot square. And so 
you know, I always say anyone can ride a motorcycle fast. Not many people can ride one slow and balance it, clutch it, brake it, and turn it. True, yeah. And uh, so, but having said that, uh, then there were times where we would be, you would see us driving down the freeway and in and out of cars, and it's obvious we're riding it, and we'd pull into a close-up and then do our lines. And then what you also see, if you're really looking, is you'll see Eric and I riding together on a trailer bouncing at the same time that's the only way you know it's a trailer mm -hmm. and and looking down on a car instead of looking across the car because we're up a little higher on the on the trailer and and they put us on the trailer because they needed the close-ups to be in focus instead of having one guy in and out of focus uh this way the camera could hold focus and and uh, the sound would be better versus the loud noise of the motorcycle so um, sometimes we'd pull into a schoolyard and teeny boppers would be screaming and just excited and fainting and all that stuff. And then uh, we'd go around the block and they'd put the motorcycles on the trailer and we'd come back on the trailer and people would be s screaming, Ah, get out of here. You can't even ride the motorcycles. You guys are such fakes, you know. So we uh, we got both sides of the, of the wheel, if you will, or the knife. And then, of course, the stuntmen did all the real heavy stunts. If there was a wreck or a burn scene or a mm -hmm. yeah. wheelie or jumping the bike, it was always a stuntman, not us. Hmm. Now, did you did you ever get hurt doing any of those stunts? Uh, what you did? Yeah, yeah, a couple times. You know, I mean, uh, when we when they did the trailers, they had an evolution, a learning curve, if you will. Uh, the first trailers they put us on is the front wheel was on the trailer and the back wheel was on the ground. Those trailers did not work, and they found out one day when they had me on a high speed chase and we we're going around a corner. Uh, not very fast, maybe 30, 40 miles an hour on a trailer is pretty fast, though. Right, yeah. And, and you know, the, when we went around the corner, of course, the bike doesn't turn when there's only one wheel back there, and it just pitched me off about 30 feet in the air, mm -hmm. and I, I landed on my rubber gun, luckily, which saved me from breaking my hip. But um, So, you know, I had a few little wrecks where it came in too hot, and once in Long Beach almost went off this... I don't know, a thousand foot bridge into the ocean, you know, I just really screwed up. But uh, I, I just put on the brakes way too late mm -hmm. and came in way too fast. And then, of course, Eric came in way too hot once and, and did the all time no no and grabbed the front brake, which he shouldn't have done, and it high sided him and threw him into a camera truck. And then the mm -hmm. motorcycle followed him and hit him in the chest and broke his sternum. And, and they. Uh, rushed him to the hospital and gave him last rites and wow. said he was going to die and, and helicoptered him to UCLA and then he ended up living and uh, by some miracle. So, yeah, motorcycles are dangerous vehicles and, you know, I would really, <laughs> I wouldn't encourage people to get motorcycles in high-density cities like Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago and so on. It's just, it's a matter of time. You know, they always say if you haven't been down, you're going down. And uh, if you don't know how to lay a bike down at high speeds and so on, you probably shouldn't be riding it. And then the other problem is splitting traffic. You know, everybody splits traffic and just takes one door opening or one lane switch, and it's over, and there's nothing to protect you. So I love motorcycles. I love the freedom of them. I enjoy riding them. But um, you just know you're vulnerable, and it's high risk, and it's dangerous. Right, yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being on a show like Chips that was so popular and everybody's watching it and people, of course, it's fantasy, but, you know, people tend to associate you with being a police officer, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. And you yourself now do a lot of charity work for, like you say, the the one you're going to be doing for the police. 1199. Yeah, 1199. And things like that. Did you feel that after doing the show, that that's something that you really wanted to do because you you felt a kinship with them? No, you know, I mean... uh... I always, I think I felt because I was in the Marine Corps and in Vietnam, I always felt a certain quasi-military feeling with all police officers. And, you know, there's good and bad. I mean, the good is is that I feel like they're out there risking their lives. Uh, And so those guys I care about, and I care about their families, and I care about the sacrifices they're making for all of our safety. Uh, So... From that standpoint, you know, I think I have a soft heart for all of them, especially families who lose their breadwinner, you know, uh, for being killed or something. Um, Now, having said that, I never wanted to be a police officer. You know, I mean, I just think it's uh, intellectually too boring for me. It's not something that I find myself doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I just I enjoy the the guys. And, uh, you know, there, there's always negative people when, when you have people that are, I call people that are policemen enforcers, and there's good and bad, and there are good and bad enforcers, and, you know, the good are the ones I've talked about, the bad sometimes are cowboys, and those are people that are, enjoy the authority, enjoy the power, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, put people in, make things more volatile than, than are necessary, and, and some of those people we see in the headlines and so on. So like every occupation, there are always problems. But when you have power and authority, uh, you know, you have a problem. And so you have to find ways for checks and balances with all, in my opinion, with all police organizations and so that you have an objective board that reviews their mm-hmm. their choices. Yeah. Now, I know there's no way to measure this, but I'm sure you've heard some stories along the way. But I'm sure that there are a lot of police officers who became police officers because of watching this show. Have, has anybody ever told you that? Yes, lots of times. You know, it was always a nice compliment that people said they became a police officer because of me. It's, you know, it's humbling because I didn't... You know, I'm not a police officer, I'm just an actor, but I really appreciate the compliment, and more importantly, I would appreciate that they felt that the character I played uh, represented something they wanted to do. And I went and filmed at the California Highway Patrol Academy up in Sacramento. I produced and directed a little show called Little Chips about little boys who wanted to be motor cops someday, like their dads when they grew up, you know. Mm -hmm. It was a cute show, but what was really cute was I... I filmed all these cadets graduating from the California Highway Patrol, 
and it, they were like gushing little groupies coming up to me, you know, saying, wow, I just can't believe you're here, and you're the reason I joined, and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that was after Chip's heyday and a long time ago, so it wouldn't be the same now as kids wouldn't, young guys wouldn't even know what Chip's was or is. But, uh, but yes, it was, uh, it was nice compliment, and I'm very grateful and humbled by it. Now, the show ended in 82, and in 98, they made Chip's 99, the TV movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you hesitant at all to go back uh, and, you know, get back on the bike again? <laughs> No, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, we did the Chips reunion, Chips 99, and I, there was a combination of things. And number one is, a, as an actor, I felt like it, I had been really, really fortunate. And, and here's why, because somebody might say, well, what's fortunate about saying 10-4 every fifth page? You, you know, you weren't any Academy Award-winning actor doing that stuff. And, no, I understand. You know, it was what it was. It was supposed to be an entertaining uh, honorable story with a moral to the story and two characters in action adventure. That's that's what it was. And I always said that the motorcycles were the stars, and Eric and I got to be ushered in on the motorcycle and become stars, if you will, or celebrities of some sort. Mm-hmm. But the the interesting thing was, isn't that we were 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 not stars. The interesting thing was that television in those days was a very big deal and NBC, CBS and ABC were the, really the only three networks that right. most people watched so our Nielsen ratings were higher than any popular show today mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, they were off the charts and even Chips 99 at the time was the highest rated show ever on TNT uh, at that time so you know Chips had a big following number one Chips was a syndicated show in a hundred foreign countries so you know, if an actor thinks of himself as a marketing product and what you can market and sell as a result of that, you know, it was extremely beneficial, opened lots of doors. And so, no, I think the Chips 99 was a, a nice closing or at least a farewell chapter in our in my life uh, to the acting and Chips and the identity and very grateful for all of it. And the only... Um, concern I had about doing Chips 99 was that I had bought the rights to Chips and uh, had had it sold, I thought, to a network at one point in time as a as a new television series with new young heartthrobs. Oh. And uh, then, for whatever reason, there were some people, I won't mention their names, working in the background to make sure that did not happen. And so I eventually let the rights go. And then uh, Rick Rosner came to me with the Chips reunion, and I, you know, I wasn't very happy about being hired as an actor for something that I just completed working two years of speculative money on, and then let it go. And then he was the one who brought it around. So uh, I was a little frustrated, and we negotiated a position as an executive producer, uh, as Eric did the same thing. But um, other than that, it was great. You know, I really enjoyed Rick Rosner, really enjoyed the show, and I thought, you know, they did a really good job. Yeah. Did it feel like being back with family and friends again, with, you know, seeing the rest of the cast? And Yeah, it was, re- I mean, it was it, it was good and bad. I mean, the good was Eric was there and Robert Pine and Grossi and, you know, all the ca- actors were there, uh, Brixa and all those different people. The, you know, Randy Oaks wasn't there, and I was really sad that she wasn't because she was a very special girl. And I was thinking the other day, you know, she was an absolutely beautiful girl, and, and yet they would dress her in those ugly uniforms, and 
which were complimentary to a guy but not to a girl, you know. Well, and, I got to admit, she she looked better in the suit than you did. But. <laughs> yes, she did indeed. And uh, she was a very pretty girl. She used to, I know, be uh, the girlfriend of Joe Namath when he was a star quarterback. And she was a top model and uh, a very nice girl. But she anyway, she wasn't there, so that was kind of sad. And then the other sad part was that, you know, uh, we didn't get to use the same crew. And to me, the crew is your family, the director of photography, the stunt coordinator, yeah. the, the sound man. I mean, you're with them 12, 18 hours a day, you know, and so we used new crew, and that wasn't the same, but the cast was fun. I want to jump back now for a second to what you had said earlier about when you were starting your acting career, you got to work with some really big names. Were there any of them that you were just in total awe of to be able to work with? No, not really, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the actors that you always want to work with, you, you didn't get to because they're either had died or something was wrong, like Marlon Brando, you know, I would have been great, I would oh, yeah. have been in total awe with him. Um, I mean, Carl Malden was really a pretty neat actor to work with uh, on streets of San Francisco right, and yeah. Michael Douglas, um, but Michael Douglas wasn't that big a deal then, but that Carl Malden was. Um, and, of course, Michael Douglas became a big deal. And I'm happy for him. He's a handsome young man. Um, I was trying to think who else was really... Uh, I mean, uh, uh, what was the show I told you I did originally in Streets of... Uh, let's see, what was that actor? He won the Academy Award. That was pretty neat to work with him. Uh, Lee, um, was it Lee... Le, yeah. Lee J. Cobbs? Uh, Huh? No, not Lee Jacob. Uh, he played that boxer in uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight, uh, and he was the Greek guy. And uh, uh, what's his name? I said I said it to you earlier in the interview. I know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know. But anyways, those kind of actors. Uh, you know, my favorite actor always was uh, Jimmy Dean and East of Eden and those kinds of guys. So yeah, yeah. I didn't work with them. Yeah. Okay, now I want to try to dispel or acknowledge different things I've read on the Internet about your acting. One, is it true that you were a contender for the role of Sonny on Miami Vice? Yes, yeah, I had, uh, they had told me I was doing Miami Vice. I had greased my hair back and had a mustache and stubble, and he was kind of, excuse my language, a badass the way I played him, and a really interesting character that I've created and. And Michael Mann loved, and everyone said that I was doing it, and I said, great. And for the next three or four months, I read with all the other actors to find the other roles, you know, that they were going to be with me. Mm-hmm. And then a couple days before Christmas, uh, in NBC, Brandon Tartikoff said in his book that I was his choice to do the Miami Vice. And uh, next thing I knew, that they said, you're not going to do it. They're going to go a different way. And we don't know why, but somebody, the writer, I think, had originally wanted, uh, uh, who did they use in uh, Miami Vice? Um, Don Johnson? Don Johnson, yep. yeah. And I think, you know, in all due respect, it was a better choice. I think, you know, he was, my character would have been a, a really interesting, dramatic, intense kind of guy. But I think Don Johnson was a great choice, and it turned out good for all parties. Yeah. Now, what about the part of Nick Nolte in Rich Man, Poor Man? Did, did you try out for that? 
Yeah, that was one I really wanted to do that. And uh, there was a boxing movie that one of the Jeff Bridges or Lloyd Bridges, one of Lloyd Bridges' sons did, I wanted to do also, that I had, they said I was going to do. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, each time you try out for these things, like when Nolte's uh, thing, Rich Man, Poor Man, um, you know, I did a great reading. You always know whether you did a good or don't. And, uh, some actors do, some don't. It shouldn't be actors, but um, they all raved. And they the same thing in Miami Vice, calling my agent, telling him, man, this guy should be a major star. And, well, you know, he shouldn't be in television. He is so talented. And they say all this congratulatory rhetoric that uh, makes a young actor's ego feel good but doesn't necessarily mean much, right? <laughs> and then in the end, they, they did Nick Nolte, which was obviously a great, great role for him and he did a wonderful job and then after that i read for the next version when he dies or gets killed in it and the, and the casting lady was a casting lady that i had a had a problem with a long time ago and she did not like me and uh so be, between and I, while i'm reading i'm thinking oh no this woman hates me right I don't know why, but I just can't get past her loathing me. And uh, so it came close to me doing that. And in that case, they made a mistake. They should have cast me in that for sure, but yeah. they didn't. So it, it was what it was. Now, has there ever been a role that you were offered and you refused it, and now you wish, you know, it turned out it was, I don't know, yeah. you know, some some huge hit, but you had said, nah, I don't want to do that. yeah. Yeah, there were a couple. I mean, there was like Full Metal Jacket. I was supposed to do that. And, I, you know, I, here I was a Vietnam veteran. I was a Marine. I knew that stuff forward and backwards mm -hmm. better yeah. than most that were even in that movie. And, and I, you know, they wanted to, they said, okay, we want Larry to play XYZ and, and he needs to come to London and we'll pay him scale. I said, I'm not, I don't work for scale. And that was, you know, the minimum wage for an actor. Mm -hmm. And uh, what a dumb shit I was. I should have done that, you know, <laughs> because uh, it wasn't a smart move. And then I think uh, it was Boys and Company C with, uh, I forgot, Sidney Fury, I think, was the director. I was supposed to do that, too, I and didn't that do movie, it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are a few, you know, but after that, I, I would go in and they would say, read page 37. I said, no. That's how, you know, you start thinking, I don't know if it's egocentric or it's just pride of authorship, but I'd say, no, I'm going to read page 24. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the scene we want you to do. I know, but that's the one I'm going to read. I'll read that scene for you also, but I'm going to read this one to show you what I think this character's really about. So I, I would do my own scenes, and I think it blew people away. You know, I'd come in and mm -hmm. just create these characters, and it was fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you're young, it's fun. I, now that I'm older, I, I don't know. It's it's so indulgent that I don't think I could do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you also jumped into a, 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 few, a little bit of directing and producing, too, for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I produced quite a bit of stuff. I produced a movie called The Dorothy Stratton Story, right. Death of yeah. a Playmate for NBC. Yeah, that was a good one. And, and then I produced uh, an award-winning television series for six years called The Ray Bradbury Theater for HBO. Mm -hmm. And we did that in England and France and Canada and New Zealand. And I directed that and, uh, and then directed a bunch of other little things, you know, from... 
uh, Rodeo of the Stars, do you name it. Did produce Flipper for Universal TV, Universal Feature Film. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I've done quite a few productions, and uh, I've just finished principal photography on a new television series uh, project. I can't say what it is right now because it's confidential, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, it should be interesting. I'm getting good responses already, and now I'm editing the sizzle reel to show them uh, all of these uh, women that we have in this project, which should be just funny and fascinating, so we'll see. Hmm, good, good. We'll keep an eye out for that. Now, we'll finish up here in just a minute, but back in the day, while you were on Chips, I was a disc jockey on the radio, mm -hmm. and we'd get promotional music all the time and everything. Oh, no, no, yeah. And I can remember a song by you. <laughs> and I, I, I believe I still have it in my collection. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, Me and My Love by Carol Bear Sager. Right. I, uh, hey, you can't get much better writer than that. That's right, yeah. So, that's what, there's a great example of actors going off on indulgent tangents that they should not. Well, that happened managing. a lot back at that time, though, right? Yes. You know, Travolta yeah. did it, and... and you know, different yeah. uh, different actors, but uh, were you into that, or did you do it hesitantly because you were told to do it? Well, you know, I always sang. I was just, I enjoyed singing, and I played guitar, and I studied piano at the Beverly Hills Music Academy. But you know, I think I always I just like music in general. Uh, I used to always really love jazz, and for whatever reason, now I'm hooked on country and western, which I never liked, and now I love it. And um, so I think at that point in time, I hated country western, so I did kind of a soft rock song. In retrospect, I probably should have done country and western because that's more up my alley. But no, I kind of got talked into it. And, you know, liking, enjoying singing and playing guitar, the piano's fun, and it's fun to be about around some of your family and do that. But, you know, stepping on the stage through for millions of people and making an ass of yourself is not fun. And, <laughs> I went and sang that song on the Bob Hope Christmas special with the rights to edit it, and it was lip sync, and it was so bad uh, that I pulled it so they couldn't show it on the Christmas special, thank goodness. And then the record that you, the funny, somebody on eBay just paid like 55 or $60 really? to get a copy of that record, yes, yeah, so you have kind of a little collector's item. I have maybe one or two of them. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I gave the lady that does my fan website at LarryWilcox.net, I think it is, yeah, and uh, she has it up on the site, so if you forgot it, you can always go there and listen to it. I think it's up there, but my kids always make fun of me when that when we pull that old thing out <laughs> and play that 45, me and my love, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the kids get back at you, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, between that and, I mean, you know, kids today just... Chips is so passe that when they look at Chips and say, wow, that sure is a dorky show you were doing, Dad, you know, <laughs> it humbles you a little bit, so that's fine, that's good. It was good in, in its day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to finish up with two final questions that take us away from your acting and everything else. Uh, it's more of a personal thing. First mm -hmm. off, when you sit back and relax what type of TV shows or what TV shows do you watch and what are your all-time favorite TV shows? Not necessarily ones you're in, but ones you enjoy to watch. Hmm. Well, you know, I don't really enjoy watching much TV, but when I do watch it, I 
You know, of course, I like uh, National Geographic and History Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy uh, political shows where I get to hear, you know, so-called intellectuals debate about certain issues. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so I, some are intellectuals, some are just actors. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I, I I really do enjoy the politics because I get a, a, you get a quick education on certain subject matters. Um, you know, I believe that environmentalism has gone askew, so I like to listen to the evangelist on environmentalism because, you know, uh, I really believe that a lot of politicians are voting on things that are completely misinformed and don't know about stuff. So from a political standpoint, I like to listen to that and see, like, a guy will say, yes, we, we voted on... Uh, save the wildlands because, uh, you know, the tortoise is going to be in, he doesn't realize that there's something called Agenda 21 and they're taking all the public lands away from the people and civil liberties and civil rights are being taken. And so he, he's running around with this placard on his forehead that says environmentalist, mm-hmm. which I, we're all environmentalists today, or we should be, but some are radical. And as a result of that, I like those kinds of shows that are controversial if you will yeah um i don't know i've i've always wanted to do a show about manufacturing because i think manufacturing is interesting from an engineering and intellectual standpoint i love philosophy so but i don't you know i I don't think you can do a show about philosophy i like how to's but you know what shows do i really like boy i'm trying to think of uh I, I, I'm not really. Uh, I like the the, the American uh, the Idol, the American Idol, American the, music, Idol yeah. the yeah. voice. I like um, you know all of those uh, shows with uh, singing. I enjoy those. Um, I watch those pretty religiously. Mm-hmm. I watch news, of course. I don't. Most of the news guys, I don't really care for. I don't think they do a good job, and I always think that they're. They're really not news show. They're biased, so I prefer to watch PBS or some British station in terms of the news. Mm-hmm. It's a little more interesting and not as American propaganda that we always hear here. Right, yeah. What about but movies? That's about it. I don't know. I don't have any other really... Television distracts. It just takes too much time. I need... I'm doing so much... So many other things that I don't have time for. It. Yeah. What about movies? What are your favorite all-time movies? Well, my favorite always is East of Eden, uh, On the Waterfront, of course, with Brando. You know, any Brando or James Dean movies, I like all of those. Mm-hmm. Those are old movies that people probably... Godfather, I love, you know. Oh, yeah, um, uh, uh, Apocalypse Now, I love. Um, I like military movies always, you know. I like the one... Uh, well, I like all military movies. Um, that's about it, you yeah. know. Uh, none of the recent movies I've uh, I've got too excited about. Um, I always have a problem remembering the titles. Uh, I was trying to think, what's the guy that's on television, uh, the African-American who played Prince? Um, oh, what's it? He, is a con- 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 he, he does Men in Black. Uh, uh, Will Smith? Yeah, Will Smith. Yes, I love. He did one movie that I loved, where he was selling computers and broke something, Destiny or something, and and 
I can't remember the title of it. It wasn't really a big movie, but I thought he did a really great job. Mm-hmm. And I usually like character actors who do small roles, but I find what they do is really intriguing and and uh, not too distractive, but, you know, an adjunct, if you will, in the movie. So I like those development characters that people enjoy creating. Mm-hmm. Well, Larry, I want to thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And the reunion on September 15th at the Hilton at LAX in Los Angeles. People should head on over there and have a good time with that. Sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and they can go to the chipsreunion.com site and get tickets if they want. Yeah. So thank you very much, Larry. Hey, thanks for your time, Brian, and uh, have a great day. What a great guest, Larry Wilcox from Chips, right here on On Screen and Beyond. So much fun to have him on here. He just enjoyed hearing all the stories he had to tell us, and I hope you enjoyed them too. And if you get a chance and you're in L.A. in September when they have the Chips reunion, get over there. You can meet all the cast. There are a bunch of them are going to be there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And you get to meet these people, and it's just just so much fun to do that. And uh, you can get information by going to chipsreunion.com and get all the information about tickets and everything else. So hope you check that out. And uh, that's about it. Uh, we got uh, just a few more minutes here just to tell you that uh, you can support On Screen and Beyond in three ways, okay? One, well, four ways, actually. One, if you listen each week. that's you know, We appreciate that. And two, if you're making a purchase from one of our sponsors, and you can see them on onscreenandbeyond.com. And if you're going to make a purchase from them anyways, not necessarily buying something that we are advertising for them, but if you're going to purchase from them anyways, just go to our site, click on the ad that takes you to their site, and we'll get a little something uh, you know, for that, to cur- some credit, and uh, it'll help support the show here at On Screen and Beyond. So uh, we'd appreciate it if you do that. Also, if you were on iTunes, if you would leave a rating and a review, you know, just a few couple of lines there and rate us uh, five stars, hopefully, and uh, that'll help support the show. It'll get more listeners and uh, put you higher in the ratings in, in iTunes. And like I say, I don't really know how all that works, but uh, we uh, that's what they tell me to tell you. So <laughs> thanks if you're going to be doing that. Also, another great way to to help support the show is tell a friend. They can go to onscreenandbeyond.com and they can get uh, any of the episodes that we've done over the past, uh, what, five years here, six years, whatever it's been, and uh, since 2007. And uh, you can hear all those great guests we've had, like Larry Wilcox here. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to hear those people. And also, uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate everybody who listens each week. And if you want to contact me, contact me at, e- email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And I uh, love hearing from you. So that's about a wrap for this week. And uh, I hope you're going to join us next week because we've got another fascinating guest coming your way. And I hope you're going to join us because we'll once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. <laughs>